So today, as we continue through the Psalms, we're in Psalm 150. If you've got a Bible, if you would, just start turning over that direction. You can find it. It's the, uh, the very last Psalm in the entire collection of the Psalms. Uh, and it is an absolute fitting way to end the psalm because the entire thing is a, a doxology. The entire thing uh, is this ascription of praise to the Lord. And uh, it's just in- incredibly um, concise, concentrated. It's almost like uh, if you ever bought those concentrates of tea or, or coffee that are so strong that you have to mix it with something else. It's, uh, it's like that, you know. It's, uh, psalm 150 is just highly concentrated praise to God. In fact, uh, there's just six verses here, and in those six verses are 13 commands to praise God. Um, And so as we read this, I ask you to just follow along, and we'll read, uh, we're going to read the entire psalm, especially since it's only six verses, right? Uh, Psalm 150, beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. Lord, we know so little of what eternity will be like, but we know that you'll be there, and we know that forever we will praise you. May we learn to see your greatness in our lives today so that we will just overflow with joy in praising you. Not just because you are worthy of praise, but because our joy in you is incomplete until it is poured out as praise to you, God. We want that, Lord. We need that, Lord. Please bring these six short verses into our focus and bring our hearts into alignment with what you teach us here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you and I, we we know how to praise. It's not a a foreign idea to us. It's not that we don't praise. Uh, We do it almost every day of our life without even thinking about it. You know, out of out of my mouth without even meaning to. In fact, despite my trying not to at times, comes praises for the nation of Texas. I just do. You know, or, or praises for, for Bluebell ice cream or the Houston Astros or uh, praises for the city of Manhattan, all the fun things there are to do here, or, or the greatness of Varsity Donuts and Taco Lucha. These are praises that just come out of our mouth. You know, I, I will praise the game of wiffle ball. It is one of the greatest games ever invented. Um, and it might sound weird, but I even will, will praise, the, you know, John Piper in the sense of his preaching and his writing has been such a, a great benefit to me. And, and I list all these things, and that's just my short list. I could go on, and the things on the list would probably get weirder and weirder to you. But you, you praise things as well. You know, we, 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 you praise your spouse. I remember years ago working with this guy named Drew down in Dallas. And, and he would praise his wife constantly, like to the point where it would sometimes get uncomfortable. He would, he would never refer to her by name. It was always some, some name of, you know, the, the love of my life. Oh, you mean your wife? Yes, the love of my life, you know, or, or my beautiful bride or uh, my, my most wonderful apple of my eye. And, and I'm always thinking, you mean your wife? Um, and, and, and over and over again. And, and as much as it was like weird for me, it was also wonderful to see this guy just 
just praise his wife so, so endlessly. You know, parents, we, we praise our children. We, we praise our favorite sports and our favorite teams. We, we, we even praise our, our favorite scientists. You do have a favorite scientist, right? I've never heard of him. I'm sure of it, but, but that's wonderful. You know, we, we, we praise musicians and, and bands, and, and when you stand up and you clap and, and you cheer at a Broadway play, that's praise. You know, when, when you tell someone about a wonderful product, about a wonderful book you've read, um, when you talk about how great your best friend is, you are singing their praises. This is what we do. Now, let me tell you, there's nothing wrong when, when we are praising people and, and things. In fact, we, we probably do it too little, and, and, and we replace it with complaints more often than we should. But you know, when, when you stand up and you begin to clap, when you stand up and, and you are singing out the, the, the praises after a, uh, a, an orchestra has beautifully played Beethoven Symphony Number no. 5, uh, that is a proper response to a wonderful performance. It is not wrong to praise in those situations when we see something done well. We, we even see this in, in Scripture, Genesis 49.8 uh, Judah was told that his brothers were going to, to praise him. And you think about the Song of Solomon, don't think about all of it, uh, but the Song of Solomon in 6.9, the author says that the young women and the queens, they, they praise the woman that he loves. In fact, if, if you really look at that book, the entire book is this, this volley of praise, the woman for the man she loves and the man for the woman he loves, back and forth. Uh, in the book of First Peter 2.13, the, the Christians are told to obey human institutions because... Uh, because these institutions will give praise to those who do good. My, my point is this, you know, when, when we read something like this, when we, when we read this amazing psalm, I, I don't want us to respond like we're prone to, and that's the, to be afraid of praising anything but God, as if, as if that's what this is saying. You know, that's not what we see here. That's not what I hope happens when we read this. I, I hope we are, we are stirred to, to praise more, to praise God more, who created this world, to praise God who, who created music and musicians, to, to praise our, our, our Lord who does good in the world and, and good that will last for all of eternity. And, and so it's important that we notice that in these 13 commandments in Psalm 150, these are not negative commands against the praise of athletes or academics or performers. The, the command is that we do praise the Lord God Almighty. I think as Presbyterians, we, we tend to be more intellectual than we are uh, emotional, and, and that can be good. Uh, I'm not here to say that's all negative. It can be good because it keeps us very firmly grounded in, in the Word of God and the Scriptures and, and not mere feelings. Uh, and yet here, as we come to Psalm 150, we, we learn here in, in God's Word that the, the use of our emotions, the use of our, our bodies in, in, in praise to God, and that might seem foreign to us, but that is a way that we, we can praise God. That is a way we can express the, the love and appreciation we have for the Lord. And so we, you know, let's look at this text before us, um, particularly using our minds as we look at this text before us, and, and, and seek to join with our emotions in the same way. Verse 1 here is quite simple. It opens with that proclamation, Praise the Lord. You've probably heard that over and over and over in your life, right? Praise the Lord. Um, this phrase, praise the Lord, comes from these, these two Hebrew words there. Hallelujah and Yah. Surely you just heard the English word, right? Hallelujah and Yah. Uh, hallelujah. It, it means literally praise Yahweh. Um, 
And that is, you know, to, to praise. To, to praise is to, to give favorable judgment. It is to give a, a affirming value and, and worth. It's a, a expressing an appreciation for something or someone. In this case, it's affirming the worth. It's, it's affirming the supreme value of God Almighty. In verse 1, we, we also learn, uh, or not only learn that everywhere, who is to praise God? Everyone, right? But we also here see where they are to do it. First thing it says is praise God in his sanctuary. Uh, certainly this, this could be the temple, and I admit there's some vagueness here. It, it could be the temple because that's where the people of God gathered to, to worship. We know that some of the instruments used here, or mentioned later on in this psalm, were actually used in the temple. Uh, however, since it's tied together with that next line that we, we are to praise him in his mighty heavens, it, it could also be understood that uh, uh, more generally as, as earth. And so, so where do we praise the Lord? We praise him in heaven, we praise him in earth. Well, where is there that doesn't fall under that category? We ought to praise the Lord everywhere. Um, and I, I do how, love how the way this, this just kind of begins in the sanctuary and then it busts forth because there's this picture of, uh, of how, you, you know, even the sanctuary can't contain the worship of God. It just busts forth out, out of the sanctuary. And, and so, too, ought our worship to bust forth out of this, this sanctuary, out of this, this uh, gathering place on a Sunday morning. And, and so that our, our praise and our worship of God goes into the streets and it goes online when we go online and it goes in the great outdoors when we go out in the great outdoors. It goes into the office and the classroom on Monday morning. You know that, that verse 1 says here, God is to be praised in his mighty heavens makes perfect sense, um, especially as we understand that in Revelation 4 8, the, the last book of the Bible, that, uh, that the angels day and night never cease to say. Picture this. this. This is what the angels never cease to say. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So of course there's this everywhere, always mentality going on here. And so this psalm's a little different than most psalms. Most psalms will give a specific reason that, that they are to praise God, that they are praising God. So, uh, either they have been you know, rescued from this enemy or, or they, have, they have felt to receive the mercy of the Lord despite some sin. There, there's something specific. And yet here we are, we're given these two wide-angle ideas of, of why God is to be praised. Um, and these two wide angles cover just about everything. The first is his mighty deeds. And, and the second reason is his excellent greatness. We are to praise the Lord for what he does. And we are to praise the Lord for who he is. Both of those things. And, and so first, let's, let's consider his, his mighty deeds. Um, where do you begin with that, right? Uh, it, it's just this endless idea. You know, we can begin with just the sun. Um, you know, the, the, the sun that is making just light shine through those windows. I don't know if you know, those aren't illuminated by lights. That's, that's just the sun that's doing that. And every morning it, it rises over the horizon again and again and again as our bodies awake to begin a new day, a new day of life. Praise God for that, you know, or, or think about the, the miracle of birth. We won't go into all the details here, but it's an absolutely amazing thing to, to praise God about. Or how about the fact that, you know, a, a tiny seed, Laura and I were reading a book recently, the point is out, but uh, a tiny seed is filled with so much biological instruction um, um, that once it gets planted in the ground, right, 
it, it grows into something. It grows into a zucchini or a tomato or a strawberry or a tree or whatever it might be. And, and all these different flavors of the fruit that come off of that tree, they're all produced by, by the same dirt, the same light, the same water. And yet all the instruction in that little seed are what creates some things to be sweet and some things to taste wonderful and, and, and others to not be so wonderful. Uh, but all these variety of things that God does. I mean, I, I mention this so you, so you can see the wonder of God and, and praise Him. I personally love to learn about animals. I know uh, my son does too. He's always bringing us these interesting facts. And, and, and I love to learn about the animals of the world because my mind is just constantly blown at, at, at how creative God has been in creation. Um, you know, the, the cheetah. You know, the, the fastest man on earth is a guy named Usain Bolt. And the fastest he's ever run is 28 miles an hour, which means when he goes, you know, he jogs up to get his kids from school, he could get a ticket. Uh, but a cheetah, a cheetah goes 70 miles an hour. My, my old Jetta can barely do 70 miles an hour at this point. But a cheetah can, can do that easy. But, but even that, you know, even that is nothing compared to the peregrine falcon. It, it, it flies. Uh, it rather dives when it dives after something at, at 200 miles per hour, making it the fastest creature on the planet. 200 miles an hour. That is faster than NASCAR when they're going their fastest. And, and, and so just to, to make sure this falcon can control things, you know, he, he also gave it these amazing eyes. They can spot their prey from, from almost a mile away. It's, it's amazing. And I tell you this, it's not just facts, but, you know, that's the work of God in creation. And so, so praise God. Let me give you a few more of these because I just, I just love them. They make just the creativity of God, his, his works in creation just blow me away. Uh, the giraffe, 20 feet tall. It's got a, a heart that is about two feet long. What is that? Like this long. Uh, it weighs up to 22 pounds because it needs twice the blood pressure as a normal animal, right? Because it's pumping that blood up that long neck. And it also has this incredibly complex pressure regulation system so that when it bends its head down to get a drink, it doesn't, all the blood doesn't flow down to its brain in a way that would just destroy it. You know, otherwise it couldn't drink water. Who thinks of that? This is my point. God thinks of that. His works are amazing. Um, even the variety of species. If I asked you to name as many types of ants as you could, how many could you name? I can name two. Fire ant and not fire ant. <laughs> That's it. Those are the only two types of ants I could think of in my entire life. You know, you know, and, and yet there are 22,000 types of ants on the world, in the world. Can you imagine like, if I locked you in a room and said, you know what, come up with 22,000 variety of ants and then you can leave today. You'd never get out. And, and yet God actually created that many ants. Some of these ants don't sleep ever. It doesn't make any sense, but they don't sleep ever. Uh, one of them, when attacked by an enemy, just explodes into poison on them. Uh, the, some of them can fly. Those are the worst kind. Uh, <clears throat> there's one of them, though, when attacked, will shoot this glue-like substance. The glue didn't do anything except for glue their enemy to the ground. So now they're just stuck there forever until they die. Uh, and, and these are just some of the more interesting types, though. But, you know, just praise God for these amazing varieties, his creativity. Or, or butterflies. I am intrigued by butterflies. They, they hatch from an egg into this ugly little worm, and they eat everything, and eat, and eat, and eat, and eat. And, you know, that's why you want to kill them when you see them in your yard at that point, even though you love them when they're butterflies. Um, and, but then they attach themselves to a twig, and they make a cocoon, and they turn into liquid inside. 
liquid, like an full-on liquid, only to reform, reform into a butterfly and fly off beautifully. Why do that? Because God is amazing. We become so used to this stuff, but it's on display around us constantly. And it's not just the, the, the living stuff either. You know, uh, Nehemiah 6, 9 says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heavens of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that's on it, the seas and all that's in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. How many of you know the name of the galaxy we live in? It's a candy bar. It's not a Snickers. Milky Way. Um, we live in what we have named the Milky Way. And in the Milky Way, there are at least 100 billion stars, um, 50 billion planets, billion with a B. And, and once you get outside the galaxy, it's believed that there are like 200 billion other galaxies. Um, why create so much? I mean, here we are on this tiny little Earth in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, like Earth is kind of Kansas of the solar system. No one knows, like it's just the middle of nowhere. Why, why do that? And the only explanation is because God can. Because he's amazing. I don't, I don't think we understand just how amazing the Lord is and, and just worthy of our praise. Even in the, the deed, you know, God's works, you know, include his works of providence in our life. You know, get outside of creation just for a minute. You, you think about, you know, those of you that are married, how you met your spouse. Just the, the chances that we are both here at this time and had this conversation. Just the works of God in providence. Or, or, you know, little things like, like that you didn't choke on that weird-shaped Cheeto that you were trying to eat yesterday. Things like that, you know, that are, are reasons to praise God. I think we forget sometimes his deeds just include these normal, everyday things of life, too. The, the, you know, that wonderful feeling of the warmth of the sun on your skin. Or, or just that there's beauty in the, in the world. When, when you read, you know, well-written poetry or prose or intriguing works of art that you, you just find yourself drawn to. You know, these, these, only things, or these things only exist because God is creative and God has made man and woman in his image to be creative as well. You know, even, even just great-tasting steak. I mean, the fact that when a steak is cooked wonderfully and you place it in your mouth, the only reason that you find that like wonderful flavor, that wonderful experience, is because God has made taste buds on your tongues that translate that steak flavor into this pleasurable thing in your brain, so you just taste it and you're like, mmm. That's a work of God in creation. And, and I tell you this because thinking about God's amazing deeds stirs up our praise for him. And, and yet I, I, I fear we become entitled, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean that. You know, um, we don't mean to be entitled, is what I mean. But we begin to feel that, you know, it's, it's kind of our right that the sun comes up every morning. Like, you know, somehow God's contractually obligated that the sun show up on the horizon every morning. You know, that, that we deserve to live in a nation that is overwhelmingly peaceful. That we deserve a, a job, a, a family, a church community. That we deserve to have eyeballs in our heads that work, you know. Um, foods on our plates and everything else. And, and, and I just say that, you know, I, it's, it's such an amazing thing. Don't, don't become entitled by the amazing deeds of God in the world, in your life, and, and all around you, you know. Be, be amazed by them. You know, let us, 
You know, say with Moses in, in Deuteronomy 3.24, he says, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? And, and so we are to praise God, not only for his mighty deeds, right? But he gives us another reason here, right? For according to his excellent greatness. This is God's character, who he is, the fact that he cares for us, loves us, sustains us. Even just the power of God. We tend to praise people with power. We don't mean to in our culture, but we do. You know, either because they have this power because of lots of money or because of some political position they're in. Just the idea of, you know, they can take a plane any place they want, anytime they want, anywhere they want. And we're just amazed by that. But you think about the power of God and the sovereignty of God. You know, God has real power. Power that's not grounded in wealth or, or title, but in himself. You know, God's mere will can overthrow every other power in existence. All-powerful, all-knowing. I mean, this, this is God. He's holy. He's full of grace and mercy and love for his chosen people. And just as Psalm 96.4 tells us, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. The Lord deserves our praise because he's worthy of our praise. And if you look at the, the psalm before you, this, the third, third section of the psalm answers this, this question, How and with what are we to worship the Lord? And it begins by listing off these instruments. You've got the trumpet and the harp and, and the lute. Uh, the lute's sort of like a guitar. Um, you have the tambourine, the stringed instruments, the pipes, the cymbals. Uh, in our corporate worship, we don't have much of that, do we? Any of that? No. Um, we use a piano. We use a, a guitar. Uh, on a regular basis, we'll have a, a viola or a violin. Uh, we've had a djembe before. I don't know if you know this. John Dunning is actually very talented at playing one. Where did John go? He's disappeared. Sorry. Shouldn't point that out. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and we do, as a, a congregation, you know, we, we follow what is commonly called the regular principle of, of worship, uh, which is simply, essentially says this, um, if God has not commanded it, not given an example of it, shown in his word uh, as a way to worship the Lord, then, then we won't do it in our worship service. Uh, this is the reason, or at least the ultimate reason, that we don't have liturgical clowns as part of our service, uh, despite Collins' often requests for such. And... Uh, this is also why we use instruments in our worship service. You see, it's, it, it's difficult to see in, in the English sometimes, and this is a problem with the English language at times, but uh, all 13 of these verses are actually written in the plural, and, and so they could begin with, all y'all praise him with the trumpet sound. Or if you're a Yankee, something like, uh, all you guys praise him with the strings and the pipe, something like that. It's plural there, but there's this, uh, you know, it's spoken to a group, and so either we're talking about corporate worship or we're talking about a, a national feast or, or something of that nature, but the idea is the people of God are coming together to worship the Lord. In fact, e even in heaven, there are going to be instruments. Revelation uh, 5.8, uh, and there's other places too, but Revelation 5.8 says, and, and when he had taken the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp. Well, what are they going to do with that harp? They're going to play it before the Lord. You know, angels in, in heaven are, are, are playing harps, and it's pleasing to the Lord. And, and the, the bottom line is, I, I mentioned this uh, to, to explain, you know, we praise the Lord with instruments of all sorts, for the Lord ha has called us to do so in his word. 
Now, I know some of you are thinking, it also says to praise him in the dance. Why aren't you dancing? You don't want to see me dance. Um, Psalm 149 also mentions dance. Uh, you see a few of these examples in Scripture. In 1 Samuel 18.6, after David has returned from uh, defeating Goliath, the giant Philistine, uh, the women of the city come out of the city and they've got tambourines and they're playing them and they're dancing in celebration. And, and you might think, but, you know, uh, we're looking here, you know, the, the dancing isn't necessarily in the streets here. And, and I think we see things like dance here and we don't know what to do with that as Presbyterians, right? This is where uh, we want to go Jefferson and just cut things out of our Bible. It, it's not necessarily dancing as part of the liturgy, but it does state dancing is a way that we praise God with our, our bodies. Our, our bodies, which we also know are temples of the Holy Spirit, um, for those whose, whose faith is in Christ. Uh, we don't do a lot of dancing here, um, and that's okay. But, I, you know, to be honest, I, I see some of you, and this is where Presbyterians, you know, we'll call it dancing. Uh, I, I see some of it, you know, the music's playing, eyes closed, you, you sway. That's, that's a Presbyterian dance move, the Presbyterian sway. It's about as crazy as we get sometimes. But to be honest, when I see it, I, I love it. I absolutely love it when, when you don't care what the person next to you is really like, you know, you don't worry, you know, they think I'm charismatic or, or whatever it might be. They're just, I'm worshiping the Lord. No one says you have to, but I, I hope you feel free to move to the music, to lift your hands if you want to. It doesn't make you more holy if you do than if you don't, but you're certainly free to worship the Lord like that, and I hope you know that. Um, yeah, so don't be afraid if the person next to you is thinking you're charismatic. You know, we'll figure it out. Um, what's not mentioned explicitly here, but is in Psalm 149, the psalm right before this, is, uh, and it's observable here in verse 6, is this idea that we praise God with the human voice, with, with our breath, Right? Psalm 149, verse 1 says, Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Now, you might sing terribly. I do. I really, and I don't just say that to make you feel better. I, I really sing so badly that you wouldn't believe it unless you've, you've sat in front of me. And I know the Durrits know it because they have sat in front of me. Um, and even then, you probably wish, you, you know, you could go back to when you didn't believe me again. Um, but I've had to learn that, that praising God with my voice isn't about how beautiful my voice is. I certainly want it to be as beautiful as I can make it to learn and, and grow in that regard. But, um, you know, like Psalm 98 employs God's people to do, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And I know that's a verse that people who can't sing use, right, to, to justify their bad singing. And, and yet there's a lot of truth to that. I, I, I do love hearing beautiful voices. I heard one behind me today and thought well, she's going to be recruited up here singing before long if she's not careful. Um, but I am, you know, thankful that God has, has gifted so many of you with these beautiful voices. And yet more importantly, I, I love to just hear people unreservedly singing out loud to the Lord. You, you've heard it. Every so often a, a child will just belt it out above everyone else in here. And, and I just love it. It's sometimes beautiful. It's sometimes not as beautiful. And yet somehow it brings joy no matter the quality of the voice, just to hear someone unreservedly singing out praises to the Lord. Um, as a congregation, we in intentionally want our, our singers to help lead the singing, but not dominate the singing. Uh, we we want to hear your voices, so we know when to start and when to, where to go with it, but, but we want to hear your verse of voices, the voices of the congregation. We, we want to hear you sing loud. That's, that's ultimately what we're looking for here. Is, uh, and, you know, so I, I can't encourage you enough to forget about what you're, like, 
voice level is, what someone might rate you in a voice contest, whether you'd be the, the people we're laughing at on American Idol or someone we're really impressed with. But, but understand that your voice is a way that you can worship the Lord and to, to use it for that, uh, to know it's pleasing to him. All right, so then in, in verse 6 it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Life, life in the scriptures is, is represented with, with breath. And so what we're saying here is, is, you know, let every living thing worship the Lord. Now, this, this isn't about animals, right? This is, this is poetry. It's not about animals praising God. Uh, just like we talked about last week or the week before, you know, your dog doesn't actually ponder his existence. He also doesn't praise God. Yes, your dog reflects the glory of God as, as creation and does it very well usually, but he doesn't actively praise God himself. He's not asking you to, you know, will you turn that, that song back on so I can sing to the Lord again. Um, that's just not how dogs work. But um, <clears throat> you see that the same Hebrew word here for breath is, is the one found in Genesis 2-7 at the creation, uh, where we read, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. The, the point here, the point here in verse 6 is that God gives us breath, God gives us life, so that we will praise him, so that we can praise him with it, so that we'll use the breath, the life, to praise the Lord. Yes, when you gather here on Sunday morning, sing out praises to God. Um, yes, you know, when you're in nature, when you're at work, when you're anywhere else, sing out praise to God. When, when you're reading the scriptures and you see his character and you, you learn about his holiness, you learn about even his wrath, you learn about his mercy, you know, sing out praises to the Lord. This Psalm 150 is a perfect ending to the, to the book of Psalms. And we haven't gone through all 150 if you're just getting here today. Uh, next week we'll be going backwards again to 63. Um, but what a perfect ending to the Psalms. It's this recalibrating call... Uh, to have at the center of our affections the Lord God Almighty, to place our, our focus, to place our greatest adoration on, on our God who is holy, to sing the, the praises of God in every area of our life because God is worthy of our praise, He is worthy of our adoration, He is worthy of our worship. Um, you, know, you know, earlier we learned about the, the mighty deeds of God, and I left one out. Um, some of you probably realize this. I, I hope you know I didn't just forget it. I just wanted to end with it. And, and that's the plan of God for redemption. You know, if you're talking about the mighty deeds of God, you, you realize that God had a plan to redeem his people long before Adam even fell in the garden. Um, God's plan was such that his character and his holiness had to be protected. It had to be kept, and, and so our sins had to be paid for. He couldn't just be like, ah, no big deal, forget about it. It actually had to be paid for. And, and so God worked out this plan of redemption that he has been weaving through history ever since. Um, that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, Trinity, would be born a man to live a perfect life and then be sacrificed on a, on a Roman cross. Out of time and history, in a real place, with a physical body, this is all real. Uh, he had no sin of his own to, to pay for, but his sacrifice would pay for the sin of all who looked to him with faith. Your sin, my sin, if we're looking to him with faith. God is praiseworthy for his work of redemption, and, and this is the other part of that, though, that God is also praiseworthy <clears throat> because of his work of redemption. That's what sets you free to actually praise the Lord properly. Um, and so, you know, have you, 
Um, praise God for the, the providence, right? Uh, in your life. I mean, you think about the way you came to faith. We were talking about, you know, spouses and other things before, but you think about the way that you came to hear the gospel, believe the gospel. You know, either, either one of those boring testimonies that people always warn us about before telling us, but, but they're just as glorious as any other testimony. You know, God gave me godly parents who preached the word to us and told us the truth of the gospel. You know, praise God for the providence in that or for placing that friend in your life who was willing to share the gospel with you even though they knew that you were going to look at them like they were crazy. You know, praise God for, the, for your church, for, uh, you know, the, the church you were at or whatever other event you were at where you heard the, the hope of Jesus spoken of. Whatever the details are, are and involved, you know, that involved you coming to faith in, in God, even just the simple idea of, of opening your eyes to believe. You know, just the, the truth that at one point, what seemed like absolute fiction to you, your eyes are open to see that it's not fiction, uh, not like your heart and heart believe it to be, but is absolute truth. And so praise God for the work of redemption. And, and praise God for, for something more, that, that redemption isn't the end in itself. Um, there's, there's something more to it. You know, salvation is not... Not the reason why God saved us. And I know that sounds weird, but it's not the reason. Redemption is the, the means to a greater end, to, to God himself, to relationship with your creator for all of eternity. You know, we, we not only are called to praise God today, we are given eternal life so that we might praise him forever. And we will. And that's, that's the last command in the psalm, right? The same as the first. Last verse, same as the first. Um, praise the Lord. And, and remember, that's from the Hebrew words making that, that phrase, hallelujah. And, and, the, and the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 1, um, the author says this. He writes this. After this, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, hallelujah. Remember, that's praise the Lord. Crying out, hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And then just a few verses later, we see it again, this praise the Lord in the use of the word hallelujah, Revelation 19.6, where we read, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. We will praise God for all of eternity. Uh, so in the end here, you know, as we bring this all together, the, the call here is for God to be praised everywhere, to be praised for every reason, both his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. He is to be praised using a multitude of instruments, our, our voice, our bodies. He is to be praised by everyone whom he has granted life and, and breath. And, and, and my prayer is that as we go from here, um, that our eyes would be open to see the works of God in creation, in, in providence, in, in just the working of our lives, that we would see just how wonderful God is, and that we wouldn't just see it as, as, as an observation and carry on, but that we would express it in praise to God for all that he does and all that he is, and that might be something silently done. It might be expressed verbally. Uh, you know, when God answers prayer, when you experience his, his grace and his mercy, don't be afraid to speak it out loud. Uh, to, to, to praise us to his name, even in, even in the presence of those that, that might think you silly for doing so. Uh, you know, I mentioned the guy Drew before, but one of the great things was is he didn't care that I thought he was weird to just endlessly praise his wife like that. He just kept coming with it. 
It was wonderful, you know. You, uh, and, and you know, so I, I'll say this: this week our, our minivan broke. Just we're about to go on vacation, minivan broke, and the Lord provided transportation for us. And it's sometimes we think, well, you know, yay, but no one else cares about that. Well, praise the Lord. I mean, when we saw a frustrating situation, the Lord answered that prayer. Praise the Lord. You know, there's also you know bigger ways. There's a a good man I know that I worked with that suffered a tragedy this week. On Friday evening, he, he passed away, and it absolutely breaks my heart even to think about it. But um, I, I've been able to reflect on it, to reflect on just how much the church has loved him, how much the, the, the church has loved his family well, and, and really to reflect on this, you know, that even as his, his body lays broken, that his, his soul rests safe in the hands of our Savior. You know, sometimes we just see the tragedy without seeing, you know, God's beautiful work here. His soul rests in the hands of a Savior. Praise the Lord. Those aren't just words. That is an amazing reality that, you know, praise the Lord. Um, I, I could go on and on, but I know you've got places to be. I've got places to be. Um, and, and so how about we just pick up where I'm leaving off right here? You know, you, you walk out of here today, you begin looking for reasons to praise our great and our mighty God this day and every day as the week goes forward. And I really mean this. Look for things. Be observant of God's goodness to you, God's goodness in the world, his creativity and creation, uh, and everything else, you know? Because we will never, ever, 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 for the rest of eternity, get tired of praising the Lord our God. And the reason is, it's a joy to us, and he is worthy of that praise. Absolutely worthy of it. Let's, Let's pray.